You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to the Business of the Music Business podcast. I'm Pam Rossi. Well, you can play an instrument, you can sing. Now what do you do? Well, to be a successful musician, you need to know the business side of your craft. If you don't, it's just a hobby. Hobby. And yes, welcome. Thanks for tuning in for another edition. And today we are going to talk about trademarks and all that has to do with music and musicians and bands. And I have on the line with me today, Jason Lott from the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Hi, hi, Jason. Hey there. Hey there. Uh, thanks for calling, uh, doing this. Uh, you are in LA, so we're doing this via phone, which is amazing. You know, we can do that now. Um, so <laughs> thank you so much for, uh, taking the time out and, uh, and being on the show with me today. Appreciate it. Sure. Happy to do it. Well, great. Uh, so there's a lot of great, uh, information that we want to get to for musicians and bands. That was what we were focusing on today as far as trademarking goes. So, um, I am ready and uh, I've got a good amount of questions to ask you and some, uh, some things that may come up for a musician. So, of course, let's start with, I mean, this is kind of an obvious question, but you know, let's do it anyway. What is a trademark? Uh, that's a great question, and it's, it's a great one to start with, too, because sometimes there is misunderstanding about what it is, especially when you start talking about intellectual property. So so basically, uh, what a trademark is, it is any word, symbol, um, slogan, phrase, design, logo, pretty much anything that does two things. It indicates the source of goods and services, and it distinguishes uh, them from the goods and services of another party. Okay. So I think the easiest way to really think about it is like, think about Coke. That is, uh, a, you know, a world famous, uh, trademark. Mm-hmm. And when you see the word Coke, uh, you, you know where Coca-Cola is coming from. And it also distinguishes it from Pepsi. So when you're in a restaurant and you're sitting down and the waiter or waitress comes over and says, uh, would you like something to drink? And you say, uh, I'd like a Coke. And the waiter or waitress says, is a Pepsi okay? That's really a trademark in action because it's it's distinguishing, it's identifying the source and saying, hey, it's a Coke product and distinguishing them from a Pepsi product. And and they can't uh, in advertising. I mean, that's just a, in a restaurant, you know, it's, you know, we do it every day. But as far as putting it down on paper or, you know, permanent something, you can't say Coca-Cola or Kleenex or, you know, any of those things because then it's a trademark infringement. Correct. Well, it could it, it could be. I mean, uh, oftentimes there are there is what is known as sort of um, um, de minimis fair use, and so there there are times when you can you know sort of you can use a trademark somebody else's trademark in particular cases, but you want to be very careful that you're not using it to sort of trade on their goodwill okay. or to make or to confuse people into thinking that you're the source of their goods and services when actually they're coming from. Uh, from the actual Coke or from the actual Pepsi or something along mm-hmm. those lines. Okay. Okay. So um, how is the trademark different from the patent or copyright? Um, so 
Yeah, so, so these things are often uh, sort of confused, and sometimes you'll hear people say, I'm going to trademark that patent on my copyright, or I want to copyright the patent on my trademark. And really what people are doing is kind of confusing these different types of intellectual property. And, and I, I love the fact that you have, uh, had Max Need on in episode four. I was listening uh, to that episode, and it's great because you know, he kind of gets into a little bit more about mm-hmm. you know, differences between these types of things. So really what you're talking about for a trademark, it's a brand name, slogan, logo, and a patent is really going to protect inventions like you know, a new type of engine or maybe a new type of uh, guitar or an amp or something along those lines. And so that's gonna, so a patent is going to protect the sort of technical invention-y type stuff. Right. And uh, that's going to be different from a copyright, which protects original artistic works, creative works, like uh, songs or movies or books or podcasts or whatever the case may be. And I know a lot of musicians think think just the copyright side of things. They think, okay, my music is copyrighted. You know, um, the specific things about me are copyrighted. I really don't need a trademark, but that's not really true, is it? Right. No, uh, that's that's a great point. Um, yes, obviously, you want to protect um, your songs and your videos and things like that. But the brand name is incredibly important uh, because that, when you think about it, is really how people find you and how they identify you. So, you know, when you think about famous trademarks, you know, if, if I said, you know, uh, if I said Reebok, what do you immediately think of? Shoes. Shoes, right. Uh, or, you know, same thing with, say, if I say Ford, you immediately think of? Cars. You know, <laughs> cars and trucks, right. So, so it's the same thing is happening, like, for a band. When you say, uh, when you say Bob Seger, you automatically know, oh, well, I know exactly who Bob Seger is, and I know exactly what type of music he has, right? So, uh, you know, especially for people who are coming up now, you really want to start thinking about uh, trying to register your name for your band or whether if you're a solo act or whatever it happens to be, because that is how people identify you and find you. It's what they're going to type into a search engine uh, or they're going to type it into whatever, you know, uh, you, you know, they're in the Spotify or they're going to type mm-hmm. it on YouTube, all those sorts of things. That's how people find you. And so that's why getting protection for that uh, band name as your brand is so important. And I'm thinking some bands might think, well, I'm just so new at this. I really haven't, you know, I'm not the level of the Bob (laughs) Seger, for example. You know, so I'm not going to worry about it right now. Is that a mistake? Uh, Yes, I would say so. Uh, Because you really want to start up. Uh, thinking about it very early in the process, because the last thing you want to do is to, you know, say, this is going to be my band name. And and you build up a following and you've got a bunch of albums that are coming out, or you've got, you're dropping a bunch of tracks that are like all this sort of thing. So you're getting a whole lot of uh, notice and people are starting to follow that. And all of a sudden you realize, whoa, that is somebody else's name. Somebody, you know, it's too close to somebody else's name or something along those lines. And all of a sudden, you have a real situation where people are being confused as to who is responsible for that particular type of music. That makes sense. So, yeah. Yeah. So you you are absolutely right. You want to start thinking about that really early on because you want to build that following from the very beginning and you want it to be a distinctive name. People aren't going to confuse it with anybody else. And then you can continue to build what is known as the goodwill uh, around your brand and around your band name or whatever it happens to be. And people can follow that over the years and they won't be confused and, and you won't have uh, listeners who get siphoned off into, you know, into, into some other artist and they're going to stick with you because they know the name and they know how to find you. I guess this is a good way for artists who are fairly new in the business, for example. And this is a good way that, okay, I'm serious about my business 
and, you know, my music. And if you are serious, then this is something, well, I may as well do it now because I'm going to be big down the line, you know, kind of thing. And you yeah, know, yeah. You know, so you have to think that mindset as well. A good, a good example is just actually this morning, um, with something else I'm doing, I thought I'm going to try to register this dot com name. Well, when I went to pull it up, it is available, but it's going to cost me $2,500 to get it. And I thought, oh, um, this is, I'm bummed, you know, <laughs> first of all, uh, yeah. that I would have to buy this name. And, you know, we don't want musicians to have to deal with this down the line if, you know, like you said, if they've been, you know, using this and, you know, this is how people connect with them, then all of a sudden you can't use it anymore. Then, you know, you kind of have to bike, uh, pedal backwards very fast to try to figure something else out. Yeah. So, so yeah, think of, you know, think about it as this is my business. I'm serious about this. And so I need to do it right away. That's right. And, and you're right. You know, it's, it's tough to, especially for creatives who don't necessarily want to deal with the business side of things, you know, like, mm-hmm. just want to make yeah. music, want to write stuff, you know, last thing oh, you yeah. want to do is like sit down and try and figure out a trademark, you know? Yes. <laughs> yeah. right? So, but, but it's so important to really try and, um, Think about that. So whether it's you're trying to do it on your own or you hire an entertainment attorney or an entertainment lawyer to help you along, those types of things. But you absolutely want to start it from the very beginning because that's when everything is sort of building. You're going to build out from there. Um, in, in episode five, from, um, when Pamela was talking about branding, I mean, I think it all goes back to that, figuring out sort of who you are and who you're trying to reach. And all that's going to be tied into your Whatever, whether it's your band name or whether it's your name, whatever it happens to be, mm-hmm. start building all those those things from the very beginning. Well, let's talk about all those different things. So you do need trademarks for each individual thing, you know, the, of what you can register, correct? Well, um, you can. You don't necessarily have to. Oh, okay. Um, well, that's good news. So, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, right. So, well, that's going to save some money, actually. So, uh, right. So when you really think about it, um, what a trademark does is it indicates source. And it might be that the only thing that you need to protect is, for example, your band name. And so, yeah, you might have a logo, but maybe you use it, maybe you don't, all those sorts of things. So if you wanted to, uh, you could sort of put all your focus on protecting the, the brand name itself. Okay, the band name. If you name. also have a logo, mm-hmm. yeah, you could try and protect that, but you don't necessarily have to. But it could become something so, big down the line, so you probably want to. That's right. That's right. The one thing to think about, too, and sometimes this gets confusing, too, is that there is a difference between use of a mark and federal registration of a mark. Oh, boy. So, (laughs) right. So, but but it's it's kind of a good thing, right? So when you first start using a mark to indicate the source of your goods and services, you get what is typically known as common law protection. And that means that in whatever jurisdiction you're in, your trademark, which is indicating the source of your you know, CDs or albums or, you know, whatever it happens to be, um, that you get sort of protection under state law. It might be that, and I don't know if it's true, but say Michigan has a uh, trademark law on books, and so you can get uh, protection for your mark in Michigan, or it might be based on case law, right? Decisions that judges have made throughout, throughout Michigan. So that's what's known as common law. And sometimes you'll see people using a TM or an SM after the mark. That usually indicates that they are sort of claiming these common law rights. And you have the right to use your mark. And you could, if you wanted to, and I'm not suggesting you do this, Pam, but if you wanted to start your own soft drink company and call it, you know, 
Coca-Cola spelled with K's, you know, you could do that and you could use that, but that's a bad idea, right? Yeah. <laughs> because the real Coca-Cola is going to sue you, right? Uh, right. So you don't want to do that, but technically you could, you could use a mark, any mark that you want to, but you're opening yourself up for, uh, you know, a, a pretty heavy cease and desist letter. You're opening yourself up to lawsuits, things like that. Yeah. Don't so even, don't even go there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, don't do that at all, right? Okay. <laughs> Not at all suggesting that. Uh, but that's different from what is known as registration of a mark. And so when you register a mark, um, you are registering it with the, the federal government. And so with that federal registration, your rights expand from just the sort of jurisdiction in which you are based to become nationwide. So you have protection throughout the United States and its territories. And there are a whole lot of other uh, legal rights that are sort of created when you register your mark with the USPTO. So that's kind of the interesting thing about it is that you don't that you could you can use your mark you can use your brand name you could uh your band name as your brand you you never have to register it there's no requirement that you do so but you're kind of limiting your rights but if you really want to make sure you have nationwide protection then you need to register it okay uh with with our office and it's kind of a, kind of an interesting distinction that people don't often think about oftentimes people say yeah i'm going to go trademark well you know you know, trademarking is not actually a verb, you know what I mean? So you're either using a trademark or you're registering a trademark. And usually when people say they're trying to trademark something, they're really talking about registering their brand name in order to get that nationwide protection. Okay, which is good. You you want that protection down the line. Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah. And there's a, there are a lot of benefits that come along with it. I mean, one of the great ones is that it allows you to sue in federal court. So it, let's say that, you know, you've you know, you're based in Detroit and you've, you know, you're, you're building up your following and all of a sudden you discover that somebody in, I don't know, in Texas is infringing on your band name, on your trademark rights. Well, if you don't have federal protection, if you don't have that nation, the, the federal registration, technically you would need to go to Texas and sue that person. Oh, boy. But because you have federal rights, you could sit at home in Detroit and you could file with your own attorney here in Detroit, you know what I mean? And in a, in a federal courthouse in Michigan, okay. and you would never have to go to Texas and they would have to come to you in order to answer that lawsuit. Uh-huh. So that's a, that's a pretty cool thing. That's huge. That's, that is huge for, you know, you don't want to be going all over the country trying to protect yourself. <laughs> right. Well, let's, right. uh, so, okay. We talked about the, the, the band name. What happens if, for example, I'm a musician and I just promote myself as Pam Rossi and that's, that's it. You know, I'm, I'm out there performing. Should I, um, you know, trademark my name? Uh, yes. My personal can. name. Uh, okay. That's that an option. Yeah. There, there are a lot of people who will, um, uh, especially when you get sort of get famous, who will register their name because it's you can register it as. Um, I mean, when you think about it, you're still indicating the source of your say entertainment services, your live musical performances, or it's the source of your uh, of your recorded music and, and all those sorts of things. So yeah, absolutely, it's not just band names that that get protected. Okay. You know, Beyonce uh, has you know federal trademark registration. <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh, you know. It, it, absolutely. Even if you're just um, uh, a, a single musician or a, sing, a single singer-songwriter, whatever it happens to be, okay. Uh, okay. yes, you can absolutely. There, there are some other things that go along with it in terms of uh, your paperwork that you have to file with the office. You have to um, you have to include information that um, 
that it is your name and that you consent to the registration of your name as a trademark. You know, things like that. But like a birth certificate or something? <laughs> something? <laughs> no, nothing like that. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, it's, it's, actually, it's pretty simple. Uh, it's a, just a statement that uh, the name in the trademark identifies a living individual whose consent is a record, and then you have to include a statement of that consent. Gotcha. So it's, okay. it's, it's, it's pretty straightforward. Well, what else can be registered as a trademark? We talked about band name and your own name if you're, you know, a single entity in the music business. What other things can be registered as a trademark? Well, um, you know, symbols can be as well. It's, um, you know, can be a little bit confusing sometimes. I mean, think about think about Prince, for example. Uh, you know, Prince was Prince was Prince, and then all of a sudden Prince was this, you know, strange sort of, you know, cross type sort of icon type thing. You know, like I, I, I don't know what to call that. And like I don't know how to refer to him. So so it gets a little weird, you know, when if that's the only way that people can identify you. And, you know, we came up with a sort of workaround, right, as the public of the artist formerly known as Prince, uh, to sort of anytime you'd see that symbol. But yeah. but a logo really uh, but a logo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But a logo can absolutely be registered. Okay. Um, as uh as a trademark. Sometimes, um, if you think about, for example, uh, the NBC chimes, right? The bum, 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 mm. oh, yeah. that, um, is, is a registered trademark. So oh. anytime you hear those chimes, you automatically know, Oh, that's NBC. And then, um, I'm watching, you know, uh, TV on NBC or, okay. you know, when they were doing radio, you know, that sort of thing. So there are lots of things that can be registered as a, as a trademark to indicate the source of your goods or services. And that would include like the title of the song or an album. Uh, actually, no. That, that's one of the sort of um, things that, that you cannot protect. Okay. Uh, and that's because there's a restriction against uh, protection, uh, against registering the title of a single work okay. um, as a trademark. And there are you know, various policy reasons um, for that. Um, so, for example, let's say, um, uh, I, I don't know, uh, I'm trying to think of a good, uh, Great Balls of Fire. Okay. So, if uh, that's Jerry Lee Lewis, right? Right. So, uh, so if if he were to register Great Balls of Fire as a trademark uh, for you know his entertainment services and you know sort of like that recorded song, um, if he did that and he also had a cop had copyright protection for that, well, that copyright protection is going to run out uh, after so many years, and that means that the song itself passes to the public domain. Mm-hmm. So at that point, anybody who wanted to could use that music. But if he's still holding on to the trademark rights uh, to this title itself, people would never be able to refer to the song as, you know, Great Balls of Fire. You know, you know, that's uh, what I mean. So all of a sudden, okay. that sort of that creativity becomes stifled and you've created a right where there shouldn't necessarily be one. So titles of a, cre- of a single work are not registrable as a trademark. The one okay. exception to that is that if you can show evidence that uh, – it's not technically a single creative work, then you might be able to register it. And so an example of that would be um, an album uh, that's essentially it's two albums that are, that are of the same name and it's volume one and volume two. In that case, you could show evidence to the office. Oh, it's not just the title of a single album, but it's actually a kind of series of albums. So I don't know if Guns N' Roses registered use your illusion uh, as, as a, uh, as a trademark, but you know, it could be that, you know, because user illusion volume one and volume two are technically a series of works, then that could be a situation in which you could register uh, the title of a single 
uh, creative work. But for the most part, 99.9% of the time, you cannot. And that's often, I think, why you find songs that have the same title. <laughs> yeah. uh, same, with the, same with the movies, you know, things like that. You know, lots of t- you know, TV shows can have the same sort of name um, over the years because that's something that's not necessarily registrable as a trademark if it is a single creative work. Well, uh, when you were saying that uh, this came to mind, it's like, okay, I, I want to try and do that. It doesn't say in black and white that I can't. Like you're saying, there's different, um, you know, circumstances. So if I'm not really sure and I want to try to apply for a trademark on something, now there is a whole process and cost, but what if I want to just verify if what I have is trademarkable? Does that make sense? What I'm... Yeah, you know, that's a great question. Uh, that is, well, so there are a couple ways you can kind of go about it. Uh, one is to educate yourself as much as you possibly can. And you can learn a lot of stuff on our website, which is uh, USPTO.gov. You can pick up a lot of information there. You can have access to our database, which is uh, a database of all of the applied for and registered marks in the United States. And you can search through there to see, oh, is anybody else using a mark that is the same or similar to mine for related goods and services? Okay. You can do that search. It's known as a clearance search and you can try and clear your mark to make sure that nobody else out there is using it. You're also, you know, popping it into Google and into Bing or to Yahoo or whatever it happens to be. And you're, you're doing those types of searches. Okay. Now you can do all of those things on your own if you want to. It's, it can be very hard to do. And so that's one of the reasons why we often suggest that you do work with an experienced private practice trademark attorney. And so that attorney can say, Ooh, Hey, uh, you know what? I love that. It's a great title for your song, but actually there's a restriction that if it's a title of a single creative work, you cannot register it. So how about we focus our energies on trying to protect your band name or trying to protect, <laughs> you know, you know, these other, these other types of things. Right. Right. And right. so getting that sort of uh, great advice from somebody who knows what they're doing uh, in, in the field, because it can be pretty complex and kind of, you know, technical, you know, wonky legal stuff mm-hmm. uh it would be a great way to sort of you know help yourself get around yeah get around those yeah you can you can do it but can be expensive. don't don't bother that make take your time to make the music and not, and have someone else worry about this kind of stuff right <laughs> Well, that's right. You have the legal nerds uh, do the research. <laughs> yes, do the cool stuff. exactly. Yeah. Um, and I was just going to say, I know that attorneys can be expensive, and we can talk about this uh, um, later on if we have time, but there are other places that uh, we can sort of direct you to uh, that are sort of free or reduced price legal services that oh. you know listeners might be interested in because attorneys can be expensive. Yeah. If you're just starting out. You know, and you're, you know, waiting tables during the day and stuff and, you know, playing at night. And maybe you don't have a huge, you know, reserve fund uh, to hire an attorney to do this sort of thing. So Yeah, we definitely will try and get to that real quick here. But uh, I do, you sure. just mentioned something. And, um, okay, so we've got this band name, Trademark, and uh, we're going good and everything. But, you know, not all bands can stay together. What happens to that trademark when, say, for example, a band breaks up? The band is no longer. Ah. Right. Uh, great question. Uh, well, I would give you the answer that you'll get anytime you talk to, talk to an attorney. Uh, the answer is it depends. Okay? Uh, it's <laughs> not course. a yes or no. It's always, well, it depends. Uh, really depends on how your band is formed. So let's, let's, let's assume in this case that it is a band. Uh, let's say, okay, so Pam, you and I, um, have a band. Okay. Okay. So, uh, it depends on how we formed it. Is it just the two of us uh, who, like, as individuals are co-owners? 
And so we sort of split everything 50-50. We co-own the trademark. We haven't filed for any sort of legal entity or anything along those lines. In that case, uh, we will sort of both be joint owners, and then we would sort of split however that splits. But if we formed a legal entity, then things get a bit easier, okay? Because at that point, uh, if our band breaks up, the legal entity that owns the trademark, in this case, the, the registration, um, isn't necessarily going to change because the people inside the legal entity are changing. It doesn't necessarily mean that you know, you're going to lose trademark rights. A person might leave a company or join a company and things like that. So it, it can get a little bit you know, messy uh, when, right, when you have uh, different people coming in and out of a band, but really that ownership uh, depends on the legal entity that owns it. Is it individuals? Is it an LLC? Is it a corporation? Is it a partnership? All those types of things. So to make it easier uh, down the line, just in case, you always need to be just uh, in case, is maybe have an LLC or some type of entity to make things run smoother down on the other end. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's really kind of a funnel for all sorts of issues. Uh, you know, so yeah. you know anybody who's contacting you is going to be contacting you know point of contact for the for the company, you know, for the for your LLC or whatever that happens to be. And those, you know, they they also provide um, liability protection. So if something happens at a gig, uh, it's not you know you as an individual single uh, singer songwriter who is suddenly getting sued by a venue, but instead. Uh, your LLC is going to be get, right. getting sued. And Protect so, sure, yourself. LLC might, right, exactly. Maybe that goes bankrupt, but maybe you don't. Right, <laughs> you right, know what I mean? Right. So, uh, so there's a lot of protections that can be created through um, through a company, whether it's LLC, corporation, partnership, those types of things. Well, you talked about being broke and bankrupt. How much does it actually cost to uh, to get a trademark? What's the kind of general <laughs> – I mean, is there different levels of it, or is it pretty much you want a trademark, this is it? Right. Well, uh, well, as all things, right? It depends. Uh, so uh, it, it does sort of depend. Of course. So the way it sort of, right, so the, I'll give you, the quick answer is uh, for the sort of basic sort of thing is $225 uh, to file for a federal trademark registration. Now, it gets a little bit different because of various factors. So when we talk about a trademark, remember, we're always talking about uh, the word symbol slogan design being tied to specific goods or services, mm-hmm. right? So it, it's going to be tied to your entertainment services or it's tied to your CDs or albums or downloadable music files or your t-shirts, hats, jackets, those sorts of things. Well, different types of goods and services are split up into what are known as international classes. And there are 45 of those. And international does not mean you get international protection. It just means that the international community has come together and decided um, these particular goods go in this class, these particular services go in this class, things like that. Okay. So your cost for your application is going to depend on what it, what type of good or service you're trying to protect. So is it just one thing, such as an entertainment services, namely live performances by a musical band? in which case you'd be paying for one class because those entertainment services are in a different class than um, recorded music CDs or uh, downloadable music files. That's in a separate class. And those are all separate classes from clothing, such as your hats and your sweatshirts and T-shirts and socks and things like that. So if you wanted to protect your band name for entertainment services for your 
you know, music CDs and, and, and albums. And for your clothing, that's three different classes. So it's 225 times three. Okay. So that's sort of how it works out. So if you are a starving artist and you don't have a whole lot of money, well, then maybe you need to think about what, where's the, where can I get the biggest bang for my buck in terms of protection uh, for my band name? So you know what? I'm not really doing merch right now, uh, and I've just got a couple of things that I, that, I've, that I have recorded that you know that are out and about. But really, what I mainly do is I go out and I'm playing gigs at night. So so maybe it could be that the that the best uh, sort of thing you try and do is I got two hundred twenty five dollars. I'm going to put it towards you know my band name for these um, entertainment services. Okay. And later on down the line, you're like, hey, you know, things are going well. Now I've got these recorded things. Uh, I can I can submit another application to protect my band name uh, for um, for the MP3s. And also, by the way, you know, I'm touring a bunch, and I have this all this merch. I can also include that. And so maybe at that point, you've got the extra 450 bucks, uh, and then you can spend that to protect your your mark and for the goods in in those particular classes. On that note, and, and I only know, uh, I'm thinking of this because I had myself trademarked something, not a musician, oh, but something else. So I, I know some of these things, but it just occurred to me that uh, I believe the trademark is not forever. Once you trademark, you still have to like re-up it, I guess is a good word for it, or or somehow <laughs> say that this is still mine. Don't Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So... So the cool thing about a trademark is like uh, in comparison to a copyright or a patent, which are going to run out after a particular term of years, a trademark registration technically can last forever so long as you continue to use it in interstate commerce and you continue to file the paperwork that's required. So between the fifth and sixth year after registration, you have to file a document. It's called a Section 8. Uh, And then between the ninth and tenth years, and then every 10 years thereafter, you file a document called a combined Section 8 and Section 9. And so those are the, the bits of paperwork that you have to file. And you essentially they're saying, yes, I'm continuing to use the mark and, and, and things like that. And so, are those costs yeah. uh, probably the same amount right. or different or lower? I'm hoping lower. <laughs> um, no, uh, I, I, you know, ugh, let, me, let me pull it up real quick. Uh, but I, I think it works out to like... Uh, uh, it seems like the initial cost, you, they have to research to make sure there's nothing, you know, that the mark isn't being used already. So I would think that that is already done and it might be less, but I apologize. Throwing, throwing, throwing. A, yeah, no, that's totally fine. <laughs> I never, I, you know, it's funny because this is part of the process that I, that I never, um, that I never actually see um, necessarily. So, so you're, you're looking about um, $425 for the combined uh, section it's one hundred twenty five dollars per class for oh, okay. section eight. So between the fifth and sixth years, so that is cheaper. Uh, but when you combine it with uh, what's known as the the section nine, the application for renewal, that's three hundred dollars per class. Okay. So between the ninth and tenth, and every ten years, you're looking at a little over four hundred dollars, okay. which you know isn't too bad every ten years if you really sort of you know you know break it down mathematically. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you still need to protect yourself, so it's not like it's going to be free, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right, and you and you are essentially paying for the the sort of examination service that is being provided. So mm-hmm. your two twenty five that application filing fee is for the examining attorney to look at your application to to make the determinations for it to get you know put in the network and all that sort of stuff. And the same thing is happening on the back end as well uh, with your. Um, 
with your renewal documents and, and things like that. Those are also getting looked at and processed and, and, yeah. and things like that. Okay. So, so that's really in end what you're paying for because uh, the USPTO is actually, um, it's a fully fee funded agency. We get, we don't get money from Congress. It's we, our money doesn't come out of taxes. It, it all comes out of the fees that are charged um, to, to applicants and okay. registrants. Okay. Makes sense. Um, okay. Yeah. So uh, of the things you've already mentioned uh, there, I want to apply. What else do I need other than proof that I am, this is what uh, I'm doing. This is legit. Uh, what else do you need if you want to apply for a trademark? Well, I, w- I would recommend that, you know, you, you do the sort of work that you need to do to figure all this out um, before you actually start the application. So, you know, you want to know who owns the trademark, who is the owner, because when you fill it out, it, you're not just putting in the name of the person filling out the form, you're putting in the owners of the trademark. So if you and I, Pam, own it, then we could apply as joint applicants. So we'd need to have you know, each of our basic contact information and things like that. Mm-hmm. But if it's an LLC, you'd want to make sure you've got, oh, that's right, where's, what's our business address? Uh, what is that business email again? So you want to have all that information. You want to have a drawing, which does not need to be a sketch. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm a terrible visual artist. Like you would not want me <laughs> to draw anything. Uh, but really it's sort of more of a term of art. And so the drawing refers to what the mark actually is. So if you are applying for your band name and you just want to protect the name itself, not what it looks like, you can um, register the mark as what is known as a standard character mark. Uh, and essentially, it's just a word mark. So all you have to do is type in the name into the box that's in the form, and that's all you have to do. Okay. And that, what's great about a standard character mark is that there is it over the life of the trademark, you can sort of use it in any style, font, color, whatever you know, any sort of thing you want to. You're not you're not restricted by what it looks like because you're getting protection for the wording itself. Oh, okay. And that's in contrast. Yeah, it's a pretty cool thing. It really gives you a lot of uh, uh, breadth in terms of protection for your mark because that's in contrast to what is known as a a special form or a stylized or design mark, which is the way that your mark appears. So, Mm -hmm. you know, let's say you're trying to register, you know, the Pam Rossi experience and you put it in a sort of like, you know, 70s Jimi Hendrix, you know, sort of like, you know, or I'm sorry, 60s like bubble font, you know, sort of thing, right? Yeah. So, okay. so that protection is going to be for what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Not for the, yes, for the words, but also for what it looks like. Okay. So if later on you're like, wow, that's way too retro, uh, I really want to update it. And so, but technically your registration wouldn't cover that. Okay. Uh, so, uh, so that's why it's often recommended uh, that you register your mark as a standard character mark because it gives you so much more protection. Yeah, especially so, if, if in the beginning. Were, okay. Yeah. Yeah, especially no, no, when you yeah, don't no, you don't know right, what it's going to look like. Yeah. So you can change your mind so many times before you decide this is the look <laughs> I'm going for. So yeah, stick with the standard character mark. Yeah, I mean, and think about Coca Cola, right? Think about how many times that trademark has has changed over you know a hundred plus years. <laughs> Good point. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yes, they still use their sort of distinctive font, but you know. You know, Coke looks like all kinds of different things. So, um, but but if you were to re- try and register uh, your mark in that sort of special form or stylized form, then you would need to have a, a JPEG of what it looks like. Uh, and so you would want to have that sort of sitting on your hard drive before you begin your application, so you don't have to go and hunt for it mm-hmm. later or or contact your you know graphic designer and be like, hey, can you get me a black and white JPEG of the logo? <laughs> you know, so you want to have that all set and ready to go, so you can just boop, uh, attach it to your application. 
Okay. Um, you also want to have figured out what your goods and services are. You know, so have, do that analysis to figure out, all right, what am I going to try and protect my mark with? Is it just entertainment services, namely live performances by a musical artist? Uh, do I also want to have the you know, downloadable musical recordings or, or my uh, pre-recorded musical CDs, you know, that sort of thing. Do I want to have it for uh, stickers and posters? Do I want to have it for hats and socks and pants? So have figured that, all that sort of stuff out. Because when you're going through the application, you can select uh, those uh, goods and services from our ID manual. And you, you just need to sort of know the keyword and you type that in and then it'll give you a whole bunch of options and you can click on the ones that you want. So you want to have that in mind. You also uh, want to have what is known uh, as a specimen. Now, I'm assuming that you're already using your mark mm -hmm. at, at this point. We okay. can talk about another option, which is known as intent to use. But for our purposes here, let's, let's just assume you're already using your mark as your, you know, your band name uh, for, for, your, uh, you know, for the gigs that you're playing. Okay. Right? You would want to have a specimen uh, that shows how you're using your mark in commerce. Uh, so it needs to be something that shows your mark in relation to the services you provide. So it could be uh, a poster that was up at the venue. Uh, it could be a screenshot of your website. Uh, maybe a ticket could work or something along those lines, but something that indicates, oh, this is a band name and they play music. <laughs> right? okay. So the examining attorney, when they're looking at the specimen, can see, ah, there's the trademark and I see it being used in the advertising or rendering of of these services. Okay. And the other thing to remember for that specimen is it needs to refer to a past performance. It can't be an upcoming performance. It's got to be one that you've already done because it is evidence that you are already using the mark okay. as a band name, not that you're going to do it down the line. Okay. And, and those can be, it can be, um, it can be a JPEG. I mean, you can take digital photographs. Uh, you can take a picture with your phone. You could do, you know, uh, you know, screenshots, whatever it happens to be. It's back in the old days, we used to require three physical specimens. So, you know, send in three posters, right? Send in three CDs, you know, that sort of thing. We don't do that anymore. Uh, so, you know, there's no room for that, right? And we don't necessarily need it because everything can be done digitally and you can just attach it to your application. So that's another thing you would want to have on your hard drive is a JPEG uh, specimen that you are ready to attach to your application to show the office, yep, look, here's uh, this uh, JPEG of the poster uh, that we did for this gig we did two years ago. Here you go. No problem. Okay. Just have that on your hard drive and, and, and ready to go. Okay, so these and, are some... and I would say have a, have a credit card as well because oh. you're going to have to Can't forget that part of it. Um, <laughs> That's okay. right. So, uh, so a musician or band has all this stuff. You know, they go online to uh, USPTO.gov and fill out the whole thing. Um, I mean, if someone gets stuck or – I mean, it, it sounds like it's pretty well laid out, you know, the steps of what you need and what you need to do. But um, what if someone really does need help with their application? Is that uh, something they can get through the organization? Well, our office has to be very careful about uh, – about the sort of answers that we give. Uh, we're not allowed to give legal advice mm -hmm. uh, and we're sort of not allowed to do that pre-application search for you. Okay. Uh, but you can contact our office. We have what is known as the Trademark Assistance Center, uh, sometimes called TAC. Uh, and you can email or call the Trademark Assistance Center and they can direct you to uh, 
information that may be helpful to you. They can't necessarily be like, oh, what you need to do is this, right? Because that would be the legal advice. Right. right. Uh, but they can say, well, you could take a look at such and such, or you know, here's information on our on the website which talks about such and such. Okay. And we have a lot of free information that's up there. We have um, we have a basic facts about trademarks booklet which is downloadable, which has a lot of good info in it. Um, we've uh, created various uh, video series. Uh, we have one, it's a basic facts about trademarks video series. We have one, it's called the Trademark Information Network, which is essentially, well, I used to refer to it as our fake news broadcast, but you can't really <laughs> say something's fake news anymore. Right? So uh, so uh, I refer to it as our news broadcast style uh, 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 tr- uh, video series. And so it sort of takes you sort of soup to nuts, beginning to end. There's like about 20 videos uh, sort of talking about various aspects of the uh, trademark application and, and registration process. And one of those videos, uh, it's called uh, Rockin' the Trademark, and it is specifically geared towards bands and musical artists. And oh. it's going to have a lot of the information that we're talking about today, okay. uh, but it's, uh, it really is going to talk about, hey, how do you define yourself? Like, who is the owner of the trademark? And what are the types of goods and services which are typically, you know, we find in applications uh, coming from bands and musical artists? And also uh, more information about what specimens are, what sorts of specimens are acceptable, mm-hmm. what you should be looking for, those types of things. That's nice so that you that's have that. Video. Yeah. Oh, great. Thanks. Uh, and we also have a, a new, uh, we have a webpage, which uh, I've, been, I've been trying to, uh, to get it more prominently placed on the website, but... Currently, you have to search for it to find it, and it's called Rockin' the Trademark, and it goes into a bit more in-depth of maybe some of the things we're talking about, and it goes more in-depth uh, about some of the subjects that are in the video. Um, I'm happy to send you the link to that if you want to put it in the show notes sure. uh, to the podcast. That might be a quick and easy way for people to, to pop in and, and, and grab that information. That would so, be helpful. So that's information <laughs> that, yeah, cool. I'm, I'm happy to do it. Um, like That is, you know, I have to say, um, our office's mission is to register trademarks. Like we want you to get protection. So we can't always make sure that you get it. You know, there sometimes your your application will be refused, but everybody at the office would love it if applications were perfect and they could approve everything <laughs> and everybody could get the protection that they wanted. So uh, that of course doesn't happen, but uh, but you know sometimes you think about like government entities and you're like wow they're out to get me or they you know they're just gonna tie me up in bureaucratic red tape. Well, sure, that sometimes that happens, uh, but at our office, uh, nobody wants that. Every, you know, everybody wants you to register. Nobody's looking to reject an application. So, so, the, so, so anyway, so there's a lot of free information that we have uh, um, on the website. Um, and so you can, um, you can contact Trademark Assistance Center. Uh, it's Trademark Assistance Center, all one word, okay. uh, at USPTO.gov. People can shoot them an email. Uh, that's one of the options. Um, and if you're filling out it, the application, you get a little stuck, um, and you know we can still talk about some of the free and reduced price um, legal resources that might be available. Yeah, let's uh, uh, can, let's talk about that because we you mentioned earlier the attorneys can get expensive. So I know musicians, yeah. <laughs> starving musicians, as we like to say, you know, so any help they can get. Uh, so if you could give sure. us some of that, that would be helpful. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny, uh, when I was uh, between my first and second year of law school, uh, I went to Philadelphia and I worked for an organization called Philadelphia Volunteer Lawyers for the Arts. And it's what I refer to as uh, legal services for starving artists. <laughs> and, and really, it was uh, so an artist would call in and be like, hey, I need help with this, you know, uh, contract with this, you know, publisher or whatever. Uh, and so our job was to hook them up with attorneys throughout Philadelphia and that, in that area who would work with them for free. 
to to help them uh, you know with with their various with their various issues. Okay. Uh, so so one of the things that that we um, have at the USPTO is that we have partnered with various law schools throughout the country oh. through what is called our law school clinic program. And uh, there is one that is, I looked it up, it is at the uh, University of Detroit Mercy School of Law. Oh, okay. And yeah, so local for all you uh, Detroit folks. Uh, and so essentially, if you meet certain income eligibility requirements, uh, you can be a part of their program and they can help you with various patent and trademark issues, including the application. Uh, and so what happens is, uh, you're going to be working with a law school faculty advisor who is an attorney, as well as a law student who is learning, and all of it is going to be essentially for free. Oh, so wow. it's cool. Like you're getting free service, the student is learning, and it's all going to be overseen uh, by a professor uh, or other attorney who knows what they're doing. So that's, that's really kind of a, a, a cool thing. Yeah, that is really huge. That is really helpful for a lot of musicians. Uh, that's great. And right here local, so it makes it easy for everybody that's in the area. I love how the, yeah. you know, sometimes we think the government, we're always thinking, you know, the negative, but wow, you know, something like this, like, no, kudos to uh, the government for doing this uh, to help musicians with the, yeah, I, all right, I said it, yes. <laughs> right. You know, it's, the joke I sometimes make is that, well, the punchline is like, hey, I'm, I'm from the government, I'm here to help. But like, in our case, it's actually true. No, we, no, we actually are. Like, we really want to help you. We want, we want you to, to provide as many resources that we, as we can because we want, you know, the, the sort of engine uh, of, of America is small business. And, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. maybe a band or a musical artist isn't going to think of themselves as a small business. But as I think you're trying to do with the podcast is like to help reinforce for artists. Yeah, you are a business. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, learn learn these things and you know you can you can grow it into into much larger than you would ever think possible i was i want to be able to help them with the tools and you guys at the uspto um, offices are doing that as well with something like this you know working with the law schools and the clinics i love that i love that thank you yeah sure um, okay, we're going to be kind of getting close to wrapping up here. I know we've touched on a lot of things. Um, one thing that I do want to get back to is uh, what happens, for example, if someone infringes on your trademark? What's again? You probably need a lawyer. That would that would definitely be right. a chance that the time to hire someone. Um, but just you know, in a nutshell, kind of things. What's uh, what are some things that uh, you know the the patent and trade office will uh, need or help with? Well, uh, that's a great question. Uh, unfortunately, the USPTO can't help in that situation. Okay. Um, we the the agency does not enforce trademark rights. That uh, is a a duty that belongs with the trademark owner. Okay. So that's why we always recommend you know you know have that attorney sort of in your back pocket. You know, it all because because really I think essentially what probably happens first is that a cease and desist letter gets sent. Mm -hmm. uh, so you're telling us, hey, look, uh, this is mine. Uh, it looks like you're using it, and I'm sure it was unintentional. Whatever happens to be, you know, like please stop. Uh, and so <laughs> that helps if that letter comes uh, from somebody with an esquire yeah, after their name, yeah. right? Uh, so so that's usually the, the first step, and then. After that, who knows? It could be a lawsuit or it could be just a negotiation to try and figure things out and things like that. But that's something that's something that has to be done by the trademark owner. Okay. Um, I do like to say, though, that uh, we try and uh, provide what I kind of refer to as a first line of defense. So when we're talking about trademark infringement, we're talking about 
something that is known as likelihood of confusion. And so that's confusion by a consumer as to who is the source of particular goods and services. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So that's really what infringement is. Like that's not really McDonald's, uh, you know, because it's spelled MK Donald's, right? Not MC Donald's, right? So that's, that's sort of like a trademark infringement. Mm -hmm. But at our office, we have this database of applied for um, and, and registered trademarks. And so what happens is when you apply for a registration, we do a search of the database. And what we're doing is we're looking to see, is anybody else out there using a mark, a same or similar mark, for related goods and services? So we do that search. For, and, and if we come up with something, then that's when your mark might be refused because it's likely to cause confusion with somebody else's. Okay. But if it isn't, then your mark might proceed to registration. And that means that the next guy who comes along that is using a band name that is confusingly similar to yours, when that band applies, our office is going to search our database and be like, nope, sorry, the Pam Rossi experience is already registered as a trademark uh, for these entertainment services. So you, you know, Pam Rossi spelled P-A-M-M-R-O-S-I, you know, are too confusing. And so therefore, uh, your mark is refused. You may not register it with our office. So that's okay. the sort of the first line of defense that, that I think of is the office is once you get yours registered, uh, the office is going to sort of put up that barrier to people behind you trying to register your okay. mark. When you were saying all that, a, a question came to mind uh, because you said earlier that, you know, between, you know, the years five and then, you know, nine and ten, you have to re-register kind of thing. But what happens if um, – you know, a trademark is um, is no longer used. I guess is abandoned is a good word for it. But uh, mm-hmm. someone all of a sudden wants to use that, but then through the search they find out, well, this used to be a trademark, but not anymore. Do they? Do you contact the previous trademark owner, or is it just it's it's wide open? Uh, that is that's a great question. Uh, I'm a little bit loath to, to answer just because it gets a little <laughs> bit into legal advice. Okay. Uh, oh, okay. I'm, I'm it, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 it's totally fine. But for for our purposes, for the for the office's purposes, if something is is dead and it's past all its sort of like grace period and and things like that, it cannot be revived. Then, for our purposes at the USPTO, that is something that a new person could register. Okay. And it does happen where sort of. Uh, you know, registrations from way back in the day went abandoned, nobody's using them anymore, and somebody comes in with a brand new company and they use that, that same that same trademark. And, you know, mm-hmm. technically that's okay because it's that okay. business yeah. is no longer in business. Right. The, right? So in other so, words, you need to keep on top of your trademarks. <laughs> right. Exactly. You don't want it to go abandoned. But, and, but also remember, that's a registration because it could be, and this I think gets also to your question of like, who do I contact? You know, do I try and find them? Because it could be just the registration when abandoned. But as we talked about earlier, it doesn't mean that they don't have the right to use the trademark. It just means that they no longer have it registered. Okay. So it could very well be that you're like, you know what? I am tired of paying $425 every 10 years. I'm not going to do it any longer. I don't care. And so they let that registration go abandoned. But boy, that their trademark is still strongly enforced in terms of common law. So just because it's dead in our database doesn't mean it's suddenly available for use and anybody can kind of grab it because you might end up uh, running into a problem where somebody has prior use and prior rights in the mark and they're really strong mm-hmm. and you could have a, a 
have a, have a problem, right? Okay. If you start trying to, to, you know, use somebody else's trademark, you're still infringing on it, the common law trademark, even if the federal registration has gone away. Gotcha. Okay. Oh, interesting. All right. Well, you've covered a lot of stuff today, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> amazing for musicians, you know, you know, to think about these things, and you know, you got to protect yourself. Bottom line is, you've got to protect yourself, and you know, think about what you can become if you're not sure about it in the beginning, and just you know, you, you have to really dig deep to think, you know, do I want this, you know, down the line to pr- to be pr- to protected, but you know. If I'm going to still do this or not, it's it's just going to be kind of your own um, thinking and what you feel is the right thing to do or not do as far as your music goes, you know, bottom line. Kind right. Of. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's that getting making that sort of business decision sort of early on of like what you want to protect and yeah. and, and how serious you are about it as well. I mean, can, I think can play into it because, you know, who is somebody going to take more seriously, you know, like between two, you know, two bands, like there's one spot that's open for a gig, well, they might go with somebody that has a website and you can say, oh, they've registered their trademark and they, they're working mm-hmm. on the business. That is maybe a more professional band and I'd be more likely to have them show up on the night, <laughs> you Good know, point. or whatever it happens yeah. to be. Good point. <laughs> how are you perceived? Any f- that's right. How, and, uh, and it can also be an asset as well, like a financial asset. Mm-hmm. Like later on down the line, you can you can sort of it, it is technically property. It's called intangible. Uh, it's an intangible property, right? But you know, businesses can use that. Uh, you know, in terms of like getting a loan or whatever it happens to be. So there's right, right. a lot of value that's created in a trademark. I mean, the Apple trademark alone is you know often valued you know in, in the billions. You know, and just the trademark, you know, not not anything else, not the phones and the, you know, and the computers and things like that, but the trademark alone. So so I think it's really great to, for, you know, for musicians to think about that as well. Like, wow, how valuable uh, just my band name could be mm-hmm. down the future. And I think that's another reason they're like, you know what, I'll spend the 225 to protect it now. Right, <laughs> you know? right. I'll get the free legal help <laughs> and I'll get the thing together and I'll, and I'll protect it, you know, start yourself off right. And if you have to book at least one more, two, two more, whatever gigs to pay for it, just go for it. <laughs> That's right. That's well, uh, it's like I said, you've given us a lot of information today. Any last things that you'd like to pass along to our listeners today, Jason? Um, well, you know, uh, there, there are a couple things that. Um, oh, there's a, like I, Pam. I could talk to you for like another three hours about all of this stuff. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, so I guess we'll sort of like hold off and, I'll, uh, but I'll, t- I'll, I'll say, yeah, I'll send you links and okay. then you can put them up in the show notes and because it does get kind of complex when you're talking about trying to register, um, a band name for the entertainment services versus how it works for the pre-recorded music CDs and things like that. There's like trickier things that sort of come into play about it, it has to be a series and, and things like that. So, okay. but that's really sort of like in the weeds uh, type of stuff. But so I guess I would just say, uh, just encourage uh, listeners to, uh, to really think seriously about uh, this part of the business and, and work on protecting the trademarks and, and, and work on protecting the copyrights as well. Because uh, as I know that some of your previous guests talked about in, in previous episodes, you know, oftentimes, yeah, it's pennies uh, that you're making in terms of copyright mm-hmm. uh, royalties, but that stuff can really add up. Right. And, and right. you know, your value of your trademark can also add up as well. You know, if you talk about merchandising and licensing your famous band name, you know, to target for them to create t-shirts, well, you're going to get a cut of that. So right. 
Okay. Your band name can be a great way for you to make money as well. And it's not just your music, but it's also the goodwill it's created by the sort of like what you bring to, to culture. So protect it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Jason Lott of the United States Patent and Trade Office, um, calling us from L.A. today. Do appreciate you taking the time to uh, give us all this great information, so much. And, yes, I will um, put those uh, those information uh, websites and uh, links into the show notes so that uh, we have that there. And um, so if, if someone all, – all they need to do is go to the USPTO.gov as well for more information uh, and then we'll add those links in there um, for today. So thank you so much, Jason. Appreciate all your great information and help. Do appreciate that. Um, and thanks no for coming. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. All right. And thanks to all of you out there who listened today. Do appreciate that. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to the business of the music business. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you would leave a review, that would be great. Find out more. Just follow me on Facebook and uh, my website, pamrossi.com. Have a great week.